good. I feel like I'm an athlete and I need to like shake it off, you know, like, all right, here we go. As Father Matt said, my name is Josie and I'm a part of this community and a part of the College of Preachers where I'm learning, keyword learning and growing into how to proclaim good news to all of us today. And we're still in the season of Pentecost and as a Pentecostal myself, very excited. I heard some Pentecostals. Didn't hear my dad say womp womp though. <laughs> but he's smiling, so he's excited we're in this season too. He's excited. Y'all, there are so many fascinating, beautiful stories in our readings today, right? There's stories about healing, food, justice, people coming in and out from within the margins to come together. All of these things could be their own sermons, but, haha, the story that really stood out to me this week was the one about a marginalized woman using her sensuality, intimacy, and body for her good and for the good of others. The story of Ruth. We tend to quickly skip past this, don't we? Mm-hmm. I heard us laughing. We were like, <laughs> as Ken was reading the scripture, I heard us. We gloss over it. We make palatable the details of the story. But not today, friends. Not today. From this pulpit, we've addressed some really hard topics. We've talked about mammon together and white supremacy. And today we'll talk about another hard topic, sexuality and justice. And we only have 10 to 20 minutes to dip our toes in it. <laughs> yeah, right? But it's okay. I want to contend that it's still a good thing that we only have a little bit of time. To borrow an idea from my favorite Christian sex therapist, those of you who know me can already shout out her name because you know how much I love her. Tina Shermer Sellers. She talks about this idea that sex and sexual justice is not a one 100 minute conversation. It's not a one 100 minute conversation. It's 100 one minute conversations. So today is just the beginning of 110 to 20 minute sermons. <laughs> just keep that in mind. But let's dig in. Church, today we proclaim the good news that in a Christian faith that is rotting with sexual scandal, abuse, and shame, we look to our matriarch, Ruth, to help us reimagine how sexuality is used in the kingdom of God. We're invited to be audacious and vulnerable toward each other and God and asking what we most desire and need. There's so much to the story of Ruth, and if you aren't familiar with the story, I highly encourage you to read it. It's just amazing. Plus, Ruth is going to show up in our lectionary next week, too. So it's great for you to you know, go ahead and start reading about her. But if you aren't familiar, I'm going to give a quick Cliff Notes version <laughs> of what's been happening so far. 
Ruth is an orphan. She has no father or patriarch that's taking care of her at this point. She's also a widow and a foreigner from Moab who ends up living with her mother-in-law and fellow widow Naomi. Naomi is from Israel, and together they go to Israel. They're on the very margins of society during the time of the judges. Ruth diligently provides for herself and Naomi by picking up food in the fields of a generous man named Boaz, who, it turns out, is a distant relative. And that brings us to today's passage. And I'm going to peel the layer and talk about the passage again, friends, because I guess that many of us have heard this passage and actually haven't dove into the details. And I think it does some injustice, especially for women. In the passage, the harvest has ended, and Naomi and Ruth are now alone. Their food is depleting. Naomi is seeing an opportunity here to secure her and Ruth's survival. My daughter, am I not seeking respite for you that will be good for you? Bathe and anoint yourself. Put on your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor. Uncover his thighs. What Naomi is asking her daughter-in-law to do, friends, is really intense. You see, the threshing floor was where all the grain from the harvest was stored, and it was common for the owners of the grain to go there and sleep to protect it, to make sure that their harvest wasn't stolen. The threshing floor is also known in the scriptures for being a place of extramarital activity, where prostitutes would come and have sex with the men after the harvest. Naomi is asking Ruth to use her body to get dressed to the nines, to wait until Boaz is drunk and asleep, and to uncover him. Perhaps some of you have heard it read that she uncovered his feet. I love the giggles I am getting. I love the giggles because you, that says you heard that. In Hebrew, the word actually refers to the whole leg and particularly the thighs and genitals. Naomi is asking Ruth to make a sexual advance toward Boaz in the hope of convincing or tricking Boaz to marry Ruth. Naomi tells Ruth after that she does this, Boaz will tell her what to do. So Ruth follows the instructions, right? It's what we heard this morning. She goes to Boaz. She pulls away his outer and inner garments, uncovers his circumcision, and lies down. And Boaz wakes up trembling. I think in the Hebrew, it's what he's disoriented. He sees a woman at his genitals and says, who are you? (laughs) And here, Ruth disobeys her mother-in-law. She doesn't follow Naomi's instructions. Instead, for waiting for Boaz to tell her what to do, 
She tells Boaz what to do. She makes an explicit request of him. I and Ruth, your slave woman, spread your cloak over your slave woman, for you are a kin redeemer. She's asking Boaz to take her as his wife, not as his concubine, not within his family generally or within his house as a servant. No, his wife, one who has full access to his name, who can bear his children, have provision and access to his resources. The audacity. I personally think Ruth is effectively saying, I am Ruth, your slave, the one who picks up the remaining grain from your fields for you, for myself, and for my mother-in-law. I'm vulnerably here in front of you. I've uncovered your circumcision, your Levitical covenant, the sign that you have with God to take care of the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner, and I am all three. Take me as your wife. Fulfill your promise. Church, today we proclaim the good news that in a Christian faith that's rotting with sexual scandal, abuse, and shame, we look to our matriarch, Ruth, to help us reimagine how sexuality is used in the kingdom of God. We're invited to be audacious and vulnerable towards each other and God in asking for what we most desire and need. So why is it important for us to reimagine how sex operates in the kingdom of God? Woo, there's so many ways, but, <laughs> but it's 101 minute conversations. So here's a few. First, we've inherited a deplorable imagination for what sex looks like in the Christian faith. Or perhaps just as bad, we have no imagination at all. Somehow, sex and sexuality, rather than being a place of radical vulnerability, is a place of radical control. Our sexual ethic is used to abuse the vulnerable to control women's bodies, queer bodies, black bodies, to shame and to silence. Just this week I was working on this sermon when I got a phone call from a woman that I love a lot and who I don't see a lot and who doesn't call me. <laughs> she said, I have no one to talk to about this, Josie. You're gonna think I'm crazy but I think I'm supposed to ask you about this today. I've been married for 10 years, but I've never experienced pleasure. Do you think God would be okay with me trying to understand my body? My church doesn't talk about sex or sexuality. I don't know what's faithful. And then literally two hours later I sat in a coffee shop after this phone call, and again, surprise, surprise, working on my sermon, because <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and the two women standing and sitting next to me were sharing to each other about how they can't walk into a church anymore 
because of the sexual shaming and silencing they experienced, both from the pulpit and from the church community. Somehow we've gotten sex and sexuality all backward. Ruth uses her sexuality to be joined to a community, to achieve justice and socioeconomic protection for herself and for another marginalized widow. We within the church have been using sex to drive away and marginalize people. Second and perhaps most tender is that the church for centuries has been using fear, shame, and silence in the name of God on issues of sex. Many faith leaders have produced religious sexual shame that's contributing to abuse, depression, sexual dysfunction, anxiety, and injustice toward millions of bodies. Just a couple weeks ago, the New York Times reported from our neighboring state, Illinois, that more than 450 credibly accused child sex abusers have ministered in the Catholic Church there for almost seven decades. It's four times more than what was being reported from the church in 2018. Again, the church is controlling, silencing the most marginalized and vulnerable. But more recently, we've been seeing brave, audacious men, women, and children, right? Demanding to the Catholic, Southern Baptist, and Anglican churches, to name a few, that reparation be given to them of the sexual abuse they endured. And that wrongs be made right. We have roots everywhere. We have roots here in this church today. Today we proclaim the patriarchal church is being uncovered. It's being laid bare and confronted that the church has not and is not fulfilling its covenant with God. So church, today we proclaim the good news again and again in a Christian faith rotting with sexual scandal, abuse, and shame. We look to our matriarch Ruth to help us reimagine how sexuality is used in the kingdom of God. We're invited to be audacious and vulnerable toward each other and God in asking for what we most desire and need. Where are you noticing this good news coming up in you today, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit? Do you feel permission to start exploring and asking questions about sexuality with your brother and sister in Christ? Do you desire to be loved and taken care of? Is there a community or family that you want to be a part of? Are you lonely? Do you experience shame of your body? Has the church stigmatized your body? Ruth teaches us 
that we can boldly express our needs. What are the needs and desires that are unexpressed for you today? What does it look like to name those vulnerably to one another and to God? Today, we can respond to this in a couple different ways, just in this service. Soon, we're going to have a prayer of response, and you're invited to out loud or in your spirit, ask for what you most desperately need, how you need God to cover over you his cloak of provision and love. Later, we'll be invited to come to this altar and to take Eucharist together. And as you come, I encourage you to see the physicality of Jesus before you. His body broken, uncovered, bruised, and pierced. Experience the transformative love of God today over you. Know that God sees you, hears your desires, and is throwing his cloak of love, protection, affection, and provision for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.